0: Hello, my name is Christine Murray, Editor-in-Chief of The Developer, and welcome to The Developer Podcast, where we talk about how to design and develop cities worth living in, which often has to do with the spaces between the buildings as much as the buildings themselves. Dirk van Pijp, Director of De Urbanisten, is known for his work in creating water squares in the Netherlands. These public spaces absorb excess water, preventing flooding to the surrounding neighborhoods. He spoke to the audience at the Developer Live about building more resilient cities using more responsive urban design.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Christine, and uh, the developer for bringing me to London. Um, it's a pleasure and a big honor to to be here. Um, I'm. I think I have about thirty minutes of including Q&A, to to introduce some of the ideas, um, and specifically also the project, the case studies that I did with my company. It's called Urbanisto. We're based in Rotterdam. I'm going to introduce myself a little bit uh, further later on um, to share that with you as an audience. Uh, I titled my my, uh, contribution Water Sensitive uh, Cities. And it's important to know that the urbanists are an office uh, studio uh, that is involved in landscape architecture and urbanism. So I'm specifically going to talk about the design of our water-sensitive cities. Um, I bring only one graph, that is this one. Um, And it immediately shows, and I think we all uh, uh, can share this, that there's something going on. There are some disbelievers still, but at the same time, we all agree that we're facing what I would call a, a global uh, agenda on uh, climate change. I specifically changed climate change for climate crisis, which was introduced, I think, in the Guardian about a few months ago, uh, which which introduced water as a threat. And I think it's, and and I'm going to talk about this. Um, the water is predominantly an issue there where the sea and the rivers meet, in the Deltas of our world, which often are the most prosperous cities, but also the cities that are most at-risk. Um, and as you see, so because it's an urban issue, I think also the profession of urban design and landscape architecture, and all those are involved in the urban environment and shaping that. I should be aware of this. Now, I'm coming from Rotterdam. This, so this is my city, this is my delta city, and water coming from four sites. It's coming from the rivers, from Germany and Switzerland. It's coming from the sea, it's coming from above, which is specifically extreme cloudbursts but also a lack of rain. And we have this groundwater as well. So water is in our DNA and I'm living here and my studio is here. And it's also our laboratory. It's an open air laboratory for innovation on water sensitive urbanism and design. Um, if you would Google the urbanist uh, and select images, this is what you sort of randomly got. And as you can see, it's, it's coloring blue and green, so I'm at the right place today uh, to talk about blue-green infrastructures and the impact of climate uh, change. Um, and, and we're trying as much as possible uh, to combine uh, the agenda of climate change to uh, producing new plans and new ideas uh, for our urban environment. Uh, we're doing that all over the world, um, um, except from the UK at the moment. Um, all right. So this is a short introduction, and uh, and I want to, to to take a second step with you to to go through a few principles that we use working on these water-sensitive cities. Uh, the first uh, thing I think we 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 have to make a shift, and I think we're in this process of transition at the moment. Uh, from a, what I would call a drainage city, a city that sees water as a, a, a technical uh, uh, um, way of handling our wastewater to get rid of an abundance of water if if there's too much, uh, um, to um, a, a city, in, an environment in which we can see water as a resource, can see water as a part of our urban landscapes, and also bring um, solutions for let's say the the, the issues of climate change into the physical surrounding and bringing it closely to the people. Uh, There was already a few presentations here that put people in front. Um, And I want to repeat that. I think that when you look at water sensitive design, I think we would start with that we go from pipes to people, from from pumps to places. Um, And it's not only about the design, but it's also about the process and how, for instance, money comes into these kind of projects. I'm going to explain this later, but first of all, it's can we move from pipes to people? That's a very simple text. um, There are the different uh, uh, levels in which I think we should be working as uh, landscape architects and designers. The first is, of course, the city as a whole. Uh, the, The challenge here is can our cities hold their own water Can we go from this drainage city to what some might call a sponge city that sees water as a resource and creates space in our urban environments to hold the water when it's needed, to bring it back to us when we need it again. So this is the first idea. Can we make our cities as sponge cities? Um, And there are many. This is uh, uh, some slides that that I uh, took from a competition we did in Copenhagen. That, that there is an enormous amount of opportunities here to also really create space in our public space, in our built environment, to receive the rainwater and to give it uh, uh, back to its environment, and also to really change the scenery of the city. We all know, at least the designers all know, that we have an extensive toolbox available already. It's no rocket science. Um, there, there's a lot of measures that we all know that we can take to make our cities more uh, a water sensitive or climate sensitive, if you like. So the toolbox is there, we know how to do it. Thing is, first of all, we have to bring it into a, a more intelligent system, uh, which we call, in this case, a rainwater cascade or a water cascade, and we, first of all, of course, we go f- not from either to two people, so we see if we can create the urban environment that is ready to receive the rainwater when there's too much, and of course, since water goes from high to low and not the other way around, it's good to see as much as possible if you can collect the water and store wa- rainwater on the top and bring it slowly down and each of the time see if we can create the urban landscapes that come with that. From roofs to small bioswales in front of the house to larger uh, uh, rain parks uh, and even open surface water. So working with these meshes is working with these uh, rainwater cascades. Um, the other thing is, and I think we've also addressed that already today and going to Uh, see something more about that uh, in the afternoon, it's about added value. So at the end, it's not about only how to handle an enormous amount of rain in our cities and in our urban landscape, also can we add values and their ecosystem services, natural-based solutions and also come in to the play. So this is an example from an adaptation strategy we did for the city of Rotterdam. It's not only the measures that you can take in a district to make it water sensitive but also really how it appears and how people can actively use these water landscapes uh, uh, in their uh, daily uh, life to bring also other qualities and this as you can recognize would be a body that can flood but also creates a space for people to enjoy um, and to also help mitigating heat stress for instance in a healthier environment. All right this is a more uh, the principles uh, that, that uh, I'm, I'm using when working on Projects and plans and I want to uh, start sharing with you uh, a first case study that's already uh, Realized four years ago As I might be familiar with uh, with some of you uh, Which is the water squares and the first one? I want to share with you is the water square in Rotterdam in uh, it's called the Bentham Plain It's quite an urban uh, situation uh, in in the city Um, I'm going to quickly explain why uh, this is an interesting uh, project. Uh, um, The first thing, and that's really important, is that the water square is doing two things. First of all, it's a a great public space, and uh, you see it on uh, on your, for you, it's the right hand side, the daily use of our square. Um, uh, At the same time, or not at the same time, but uh, as a second function, it collects uh, rainwater from uh, the nearby uh, district. Um, and that's a temporary function, so it's both, let's say, a storage of rainwater now and then, and a great public space. I'm going quickly concentrate uh, first on the water issue, the water management of it. You see three uh, basins, uh, I think I have a laser. If, uh, three uh, uh, basins that uh, collect rainwater from, from its environment. It's around 1,700 cubic meters of water that is taken out of a combined sewer, which is the system that Many of our cities have, and also Rotterdam has. It's been brought to the three basins uh, 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 to to collect, and it's uh, going to be uh, released or infiltrated uh, within a period of 24 to 48 hours. Um, There are facilities to to infiltrate, uh, and the biggest basin has to be pumped out into surface water. It's important to know that it's a temporary solution. so The water will be there only for one or two days, and it's not going back into a combined sewer uh, uh, but it's going really into a more close, a uh, circular loop of water. Of course, there's a, there's engineering going on. There is some pipes. There isn't, the world without pipes is also a little bit of an sort of ideal world. So there is a, a, a fine piece of water engineering that the Dutch are also good at. So that's, that's something that we have. But what, as a designer, we also wanted to orchestrate the rainwater when it comes to the square, to also show that there's something weird going on if the rain is not there. So we, or, we, we designed a rain well and a rain wall just to have a few of them. And I'm going to quickly show you some slides. I know that they in the audience. Some have been on the water square, uh, but what this situation is rather uh, uh, rare that it's really flooded. Um, there's not a lot to say about it, just enjoy. So in the image you can you can see how water is guided to these uh, basins by stainless steel uh, gutters using gravitation. This is the rain wall where we orchestrated how the rainwater is going to be brought uh, to the uh, to the to the basin. As you can see, football is not the game anymore at this uh, moment. Um, well, it's, it's not always completely full. There, the everyday rain also ends up in the square. Um, and, uh, and it even attracts some people now and then, that, that, that dude, let's go to the water square when it's full. You know, so there's this photographer taking pictures. And uh, some contemplate, I know that uh, I spoke to, to uh, Ken and Ivers during the coffee break, um, that, that there's even a sort of a moment of contemplation going on now and then, as water has also let some more uh, spiritual meaning to people. I don't know if it's really true. But uh, anyway, people to enjoy. And then it's empty again, and uh, you can enjoy. That's the second part, I think the more important part, because you said about people, of course you create the places that people really enjoy and can actively use. Um, So that's what we did. Um, There's quite a a, a number of user groups around the square. The biggest one are the students. Uh, There are about 5,000 of them, and if there's nice weather and uh, and, 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 uh, and it's not too hot, then people go out with their smartphones most of the time. but also, uh, some, some kids enjoy. We, we painted the floors uh, like, uh, like a weather map, and, and it also triggers the uh, imagination of the smalls. They use the slopes to, to, uh, to make a run. And the slopes were discovered by skaters, uh, I think, even before the opening. Because we, in, the, in our country, we, we are basically flat, so it's, as soon as you make something of a topography, skaters are actually going to use them. And the other thing is the floor looks great on Instagram. So uh, that was <laughs> the reason that there. Well, sometimes it's also really empty. You know, this is this, this somewhere in, in in the winter, the first year of the opening. But you can still see this this orchestration of of water going on uh, on the square in, into these basins. Um, there, it's also green. Of course, uh, there's a lot of blue concrete there as well because the app to keep 1,700 cubic meters of uh, rainwater in. was basically a bathtub. So. Uh, But but we try to make it as green as uh, possible to also really contribute to other uh, assets. Uh, And and the people enjoy the environment. You can see that they actively use stairs, some group together, others isolate themselves a little bit, um, but it really works well. There's a church there as well. They go out now and then on Sundays uh, for their ceremonies. And they also baptize their children uh, on the square. Um, Water has a more religious uh, meaning to to them. So that's also good, and uh, this is just to show in the conference also on green infrastructures that there's a nice planting scheme uh, done by the urbanist in as well. All right, uh, this is going very fast, but I know I'm in my timing because there's still a few projects to come. Uh, I do want to share some conclusions that are not about the design or how it's used, but how it's being made, uh, and how it's being made possible. First is about money. Um, and, and again, uh, there's the small scheme showing that, that if you spend your money on technical infrastructures, like sewage and pumps and so on, because you need more capacity in your city, you're not going to enjoy it. It's just money spent on something that will probably work, but will nev- never really make it sensitive to us. So uh, the first thing is to bring the money and to bring it into public space or into our urban landscape. The water square was a total cost of 4 million euros. 60% of that budget was coming from dedicated funding that was normally spent on our sewage system, on our underground infrastructures. So only 40% of the square was paid with what I would call money that's normally there for public uh, space or city beautifications. Uh, And 40% is is still quite a big uh, amount of money, but you have to imagine that the square, when we came there, was a total no place uh, to to go, which was an area that no one really wanted to visit. So it was money well spent, you might say. The other thing, uh, I think uh, Christina started with this, with with working through silos, I think making multifunctional space, which the water square is, and it was never done before, at least not in our country, brought, disciplines together right from the beginning of the project and people around on public health, on, on, on water safety, on communication, uh, on uh, uh, landscape architecture, on engineering. It was not a linear process where, let's say public health or safety or maintenance would at the end of the line. No, it was really starting in a circular uh, design process with people around the table right from the start. I think that's extremely important. Um, And we included uh, the the communities that we knew that wanted to use the place, right? So we asked them, what do you want to do on the square? Um, How do you want to be engaged in in the square with others? And and we really tried to listen, not only to listen, to give them influence on our design. We're not an office with signature architecture. We really want to listen to what the people wanted. So we organized creative sessions with them uh, to see how we wanted them. All right, so there's now um, sort of already a family of water squares growing. Uh, um, um, It's also an open invitation for you all to to see if the UK is is ready for a water square. Uh, But we have a water square in Copenhagen. There are a number of squares in the Netherlands, I think four or five in Rotterdam. We're working on uh, squares in Copenhagen and in Belgium at the moment. Uh, um, Just to share with you very quickly a second one that we built in the small city of Thiel. It's a little bit more, let's say, suburban, um, and also more local and a little bit more green. And one, one thing is specifically interesting, here children really contributed to the design. It looks very colorful again. We communicated with the school and with the local children what they could expect from the water square. We used these kind of drawings, so a little bit less technical, a little bit more open for children to understand what it means to have a landscape that sometimes can flood and sometimes is there for the children to actively use. So I explained it to the teachers also gave lessons on climate adaptation and water and water sensitiveness, but we also invited them to to say, what do you want to do on the square? And we, we give them a sort of a, a snake that they could make themselves with the different activities that the topography would provide them. Uh, And we also asked them to color the floor of the deepest point in our square. And uh, they even uh, had the possibility to vote with each other for the most popular painting on the square. And uh, on, on the slide you can see that everyone is very happy uh, at the end. Um, no wonder because we gave them what they want. No, it's, that's a joke. But uh, it's, it's really uh, actively used by the kids, uh, but also by, the, by the, the, the families that live in the neighborhood. And I heard that uh, the first time it really flooded because it can flood was uh, two years ago. So it's seldomly used for that. Um, from, from the squares, um, also, given the time that's still left, I want to speed up to what I would call the water-sensitive districts, because I think we can design the place, but it is, I think it's more important to see if we can make this transition to want a sensitive city on a district scale, because there we can really connect a system change, which I think is basically done on the, on the scale of the city with local involvement and, and, and uh, the, the help of, uh, of people. We did one uh, a long-term study and also uh, active uh, design process in the, uh, the Rotterdam-Zoho district, um, which is uh, really next door from our water square. The water square is situated here. I'm talking about a relatively large 19th century uh, a district that is uh, part of, uh, of the northern part of Rotterdam. So we connected our water square to a larger uh, district and we again knew all the measures that uh, that you can take and we also worked again with our rainwater cascade and see what we could do on the district. So we designed this rainwater cascade going from high to low to see if we can first of all use surface waters, see if we can use blue and green roofs, see if we can create some, grain, some rain gardens and pocket parks to collect the rainwater and to end up finally, for instance, in our water square. So it's really that. And we also showed uh, what would be the added values. And you can imagine that the added values would very much also b- would link to greening the space, softening the, the space, making it more spongy uh, than, uh, than the area that we uh, we found when we, uh, when we first uh, went there. Um, again, we, we, we knew that there was an active community that was interested in, uh, in helping us, and not only helping us, but they had their own ideas. They had very specific ideas about greening roofs, but they're bringing rainwater to the front of their facades. They had uh, uh, the guy with, the, uh, with an idea for a smart rain barrel. So we also brought in the ideas that were already there in the district uh, into the plans. And, and some of them are uh, executed, and others are still uh, uh, a promise for the for the near future. Um, the, the change that we made again was very simple. We're not going to increase our underground infrastructures if we need to do something about water management. But we're really going to see if the the, the district itself can receive the rainwater in rainwater planters, uh, but also creating larger sidewalks and so on and so on. So this is basically the the this is the water management again and the. The added values, um, and then the projects uh, start coming. Uh, sometimes really s- small, but very important. This is uh, guys from post office that uh, disconnected the rain pipe in front of their uh, in front of their uh, building. Um, they b- made benches, created some space uh, for for green, and you can see how the rainwater ends up in the bench as well. Um, I was involved and designed uh, what we call the, the rain away garden. Again, a disconnection of uh, rainwater from uh, from the sewer on a relatively small linear scale. And I really want to, uh, to uh, point out this beautiful tile, which is called the rain away tile, which is collecting water, but also uh, slowly infiltrates water into the nearby uh, plantations. Um, uh, which is a beautiful product that is brought to the market later, this was the first pilot that was done by Finn Decker, uh, and this is uh, how it uh, appears on a on a beautiful uh, sunny day in spring. Um, a little bit larger, as you will right. this, the small things help, and a lot of small things definitely help uh, to see if we could increase and make a rain garden in this same Zoho district, which uh, looks uh, uh, on, on a rainy day like this and collects a lot of rainwater from the nearby uh, environment but looks in, uh, most of the time looks like this. Um, and we wanted to start. And so with the urbanist, and we organized a small coalition of the willing, a little sort of urban guerrilla, It was crisis time at the time. And we, we thought, well, let's start with two parking places and a little bit of a too big sidewalk uh, and, and take out the tiles and bring in the green and also bring in the rainwater. Yeah, I'm, I'm personally uh, working here. <laughs> yeah that's also hands on now and then and, uh, and 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 this was the the the, re- the result after a week of uh, a collective work and this is uh, what happened so we made the plan and we also made the the proposals for the plantations but we invited people from the district but also a contractor uh, the uh, local politicians the people that uh, that had another uh, interest in the district to help us making this garden and also celebrating when it was finished with, with uh, probably beer. And, and this is uh, uh, two years later. So we started really small. We took out two parking places, but this was a giant success. And because we had a district plan, they said, well, let's finance a little bit bigger rain garden. Uh, so we ended up with uh, with a, a larger or uh, this. Uh, so this was all parking and roads. Huh? And and now it's uh, looking uh, like, uh, like uh, this. I think this was my uh, last slide, but I'm open for any questions and uh, discussion. Thank you very much.
0: Are there questions from the floor? I, I have one to kick off, actually, because I know one of the things that we talked about when I spoke to you around this talk was Maintenance road maintenance workers and th- you know that kind of um, getting them on board with this idea, especially if you're starting to depave the city yeah. about and maybe you could talk a little bit about
1: yeah yeah you're, you're well, I would say this is this is really one of the most critical points uh, when, when looking at the result of of our projects um, maintaining it uh, still, is not a part of, let's say, this water-sensitive approach that uh, that I think is, is 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 coming into our practice more and more. So, uh, uh, let's say the the department that is responsible for maintaining green um, is not maintaining our rain garden. Uh, this is maintained by a local group of uh, of people that uh, that that have a sort of a yeah, I could it. They, uh, they handed over the responsibility f- from the municipality to, to, let's say, an organized corporation that, that maintains the rain garden and that also feels responsible for it. But that's quite exceptional. So uh, I think that, that if you depave, that the maintenance still needs to, yeah, we have to find a solution for that. The water square uh, uh, is even, I would say, a more urgent thing to uh, discuss maintenance because, of course, that it's 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 a lower, uh, basin, um, so with the water, uh, also uh, contamination comes in. It's not serious, so there's no problem with public health or something. It's the, the uh, sometimes say the worst thing you can have is a day of diarrhea. That's that's basically <laughs> it. Um, so we, it will not kill you or something, um, but uh, but it, it it will contaminate. Um, so you need to clean it after it's intensively used, and I mean then used by the rainwater, not by the people, although they contaminate also a lot, <laughs> the students specifically, they just throw away everything. Uh, but um, but, but that, then you need to go there, and you need to clean it. And if, if you go there the next day, then it's fine. And it is not an everyday rain that that, that, that causes these kinds of contaminations. It's really when you have, for those who are experts, a 50 millimeter cloudburst in, in two hours, or something like that, then it really fills up. Um, and it's just like uh, a a market you know if 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 there's a market and, and, and after the market people clean up or uh, if if uh if there's a celebration going on in front of the town hall like my fine the football team wins and uh, then then next you clean up the street so i think it's normal to 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 also be more intelligent about maintenance when do you go where uh in this case to uh, to clean up
0: uh questions from the floor. Really? One here. Anyone else? Last chance, because I'm going to let you eat lunch. There's one at the back, too. one here, one at the back. It's your last chance.
1: Hi again, Dirk. I just wanted to know if you're aware of any schemes such as these in the UK, and if not, why not? Yeah, that's a great question. Shall I answer uh, Amy?
0: Well why don't you hear the other one okay. first? You yep. have the other question as well. Hi,
1: uh thanks great talk. Um I was thinking of uh the situation we have in in the UK where uh, um terrace streets have fr- front gardens which uh commonly uh, get tarmacked and used as drives and I wondered if there's any experience of converting you know making use of those for uh, rainwater absorption in uh in the netherlands
0: paving over front gardens and okay to start
1: with yeah. Where would, uh, we, well,
0: why would why what do you know of any schemes in the u k
1: well i would for for that reason give that question back to to you all here in uh, in the room uh, i I'm, I'm not i don't know any water square in the u k that, that let's say on a scale uh, uh as i showed and it w- also works like that but but yeah
0: we have some case studies as are are well. That, stick that around and you'll see some new case yeah, I think
1: in the most, of the, <laughs> most of the solutions that, that, that are, are communicated at the moment, and you really find also in the UK, we saw them, some of them are, are solutions that are more soft and green, right? If, if, so if you, if you have an abundance of space or even enough space to, to, to depave and green and make bioswales or rain gardens, I would also prefer that because it's also this multi value that links to green infrastructures. But um, of course, uh, sometimes there's not enough space, that's one thing, or it's not enough time, because infiltration always takes time. So, here the, we really had to create what you call a bathtub that you can empty again. And uh, so, it's a more urban solution, I would say, for dense cities. Well, you have some dense cities, we are in a dense city. So, I would say try out the water square in London, I would be happy to come again. Um, <laughs> um,
0: the other question was about front gardens, paving over them, and yeah,
1: you know. yeah, yeah. That, that, that's really uh, uh, going on um, in in my city, and, and also in other big cities. Uh, what I see is that people also more and more uh, w- want to take action there. So, for instance, in in the Netherlands, it's allowed to take, uh, uh, I think, sixty centimeters in front of your house depave that and do something else and of course the preferred situ- situation would be that you organize it in such a way that also rainwater from roofs can end up there well that's uh, that's something that is done in in many projects uh, but you don't see it let's say on the private scale that much you know, I did it in in my uh, house and uh, more and more people are taking measures uh, themselves. The great thing about this cascade is that, that you really start w- with your own house or with your own roof. And it can be an office building, it can be a housing complex or something. but I would always start there and then see how you slowly bring it down. And if you could bring it down in front of your house, it's great, and there are good examples there. Then of course the question is can we, if there's a really a lot of rain, can we also connect these? And can we bring it to more organized central places? And there, I think, the system approach comes in, and you need, really need uh, the municipality or others who are responsible for these infrastructures to bring that rainwater uh, into, bigger, to, into the bigger system. Because what you don't want is uh, basements to flood and, uh, let's say, you know, water coming back into your house and so on.
0: I know uh, one topic that's come up a lot today is innovation, and I know you do a lot of prototyping. Can you speak about the importance of prototyping?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, It takes about five years. Yeah, (laughs) that's not the answer. But the... the yeah, it's also an answer. The, 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 uh, I know that the water square. Used to so you be
0: mean you try something for five years before you try it somewhere
1: else? No, actually, if you have a good idea, then it takes about five years to 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 get it realized. And um, for instance, the, the water square it started basically with a simple idea: can we combine a, a square with water storage? Um, and it was uh, when Al Gore uh, was still around, showing in 2005, I think, how how climate would affect our our cities. Um, but but it was not there no one knew about this kind of square So it took, really took us three years more than three years also to find the funding to to do the research in the topology research To finally get to the point that it was financed and said, all right, let's, let's just do it um, uh, the, uh, Another example at the moment we are um, we are monitoring, uh, I didn't include that in the presentation, what, what, it's a sponge garden, it's a, it's a test site, so if we want to know more about how sponge cities perform from an from, uh, ecological and, and, and a green point of view, we are we are innovating on research that looks at soils and soil quality for for storing rainwater, but also giving it back, in this case, to, to plants and, uh, and animals. Um, and, and, and the research is done on the city scale. So we know about the existing system and how we want to work towards a sponge city and how we can use different parts of the city of Rotterdam and its soils and its characteristics to to function as a sponge. But we wanted to test that out in, uh, in, our own, uh, in front of our own office. So we have a small sponge garden and uh, we improve all the s- soils that we have in the city of Rotterdam, we can simulate uh, the the level of the the groundwater we can also simulate uh, a rain uh, event and for two years we're going to monitor uh, the soil and how it performs as a sponge and you must know this it's about clay it's about peat it's about sand it's about rubble so you, it's it's a beautiful circle you can find it on the website by the way if you like um, but but we're monitoring that for two years so we're also looking how the, the plantation is performing how the plants are doing uh, and and, th- and then we go into uh, imp- implementation. So we're already three years uh, on, on our way, and we now have a small garden uh, in which we can see how it works. And, and we have the idea that what we find there uh, is relevant for urban parks uh, that perform in, uh, let's say, if there is a long period of drought or a long period of, of uh, uh, heat stress, then, that you, then you see our public parks going yellow. So can we, can we do something about that? We want to implement our uh, findings into public spaces like that. But you also see it along roadsides. Uh, you you can you can bring your c- the conclusions into your own back gardens if you like. So there's an immediate uh, uh, relationship with what you can do in uh, in the city. But it takes about five years. Yeah. <laughs>
0: this podcast has been brought to you by the developer. Produced by Simon Mercer. with Music by Fortet. I'm Christine Murray, and you can reach me on Twitter at at TCMurray. For more podcasts, visit us at thedeveloper.live.